Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, well, good morning, Edinburgh. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, I do want to give you a warm welcome. We are just so glad that you're, you are here and that you've decided to uh, worship with us and be a part of our Edinburgh Church family this morning. And uh, if you're watching online, I also want to say, hey, we're glad that you are tuned in. Uh, we're just glad that we're able to uh, gather together on this, uh, this uh, cold morn here. Hey, hey, Pastor, if you forgot... Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Thanks, I just want to make Bob. sure you know. Christmas is coming. If you missed that video, you can go onto our Facebook page, watch our Christmas invitation. Christmas is coming. Pastor Bob is a little too much. All right. <laughs> well, hey, Merry Christmas. I do want to say that to you as we kick off December. Merry Christmas. It's that time of year. And uh, we're going to be kicking off a new series uh, this month called Peace on Earth. Uh, we sing songs about peace on earth and goodwill to men, um, but uh, I think we would all agree we need a little more peace in this world. Amen? Uh, many of us this morning need a little more peace in our lives and a little more peace in our, in our families. Uh, and so this morning, uh, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about peace uh, primarily in the context of relationships, um, but more specific than that, I want to I talk about peace amongst different ethnicities. Uh, what the Bible would call racial reconciliation. I, I think our culture, our world needs a little more racial reconciliation, a little more peace uh, amongst each other. And so that's, that's how I want to kick off this series. Um, because I can tell you, if, if peace is going to come in the world, if peace is going to come amongst different ethnicities, um, I can tell you this much, God wants to use the church uh, to make that happen. Uh, many years ago, uh, I, uh, Danielle was working with um, someone who she and her family had moved over from Vietnam. She was a first-generation uh, American. Uh, she was one of Danielle's co-workers. Very hard-driven uh, a person, uh, worked very hard. She was the primary caretaker of her family. Uh, she and her many brothers and sisters, along with her father, lived under the same roof. And she was the primary caretaker, uh, taking care and providing financially for her family. So she worked very hard, took that uh, very seriously. Uh, her, her motto was, fake it until you make it, right? She, she was just going to work, make sure she had a paycheck to take care of her family, and, uh, but she noticed something different in Danielle. And so one day she just asked Danielle, uh, Danielle, what is that? And um, Danielle shared with her, it was, it was her relationship with, with Jesus, that uh, Jesus had changed her life, that Jesus had changed her thoughts and her behaviors and uh, the very words that would come out of her mouth and, and ultimately just the direction of her life. And she shared that uh, with this young woman, Tiffany, and so Tiffany uh, started coming and listening to me give messages and, and started hearing me uh, speak at the church I was a part of at the time. And uh, she eventually gave her uh, at her work. And about a year later, she asked me to officiate her, her wedding. And uh, so she sat down with me, and we were trying to do some wedding planning, and she said, i got to be honest with you, I never thought I would ask a white boy to officiate my wedding. That's what she said. 
You got to love like people who are newer in their faith because they're so brutally honest, right? But God loves that. God loves that. And so uh, we did the wedding planning and then the wedding day came and it was primarily, besides some coworkers, primarily an all Asian uh, wedding. And uh, I was out there and she said, I want you to talk about Jesus. Most of my family, they're Buddhist. And I, I want you to talk about, about Jesus. So I, I, I talked about how Jesus, when he's at the center of our marriages, when he's at the center of our relationships, uh, how, you know, he helps us to, to love one another, to serve one another, to show grace to one another, to forgive one another. But even as I was giving that message in the context of marriage, I was thinking how that was true beyond just our marriages. It was true in our relationships with others, and, and it was true with my relationship with Tiffany. And here I was, this white boy, doing this wedding in this primarily Asian uh, context, and Tiffany and her fiancé up there with me, and it was just this beautiful, beautiful picture of the power of the gospel, bringing people together. And friends, I want to remind us that the gospel does have power. The gospel can take people who, who are seemingly enemies, and it can make them friends, I can tell you as your pastor, I've seen it. The gospel can take uh, 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 racists and can make them gracists. That's the, <laughs> you see what I did there. Christ. And I think sometimes it's lost on us how much racial tension is a part of, of the New Testament. How much Paul and others have to address this issue of racism. You know, this is Christmas time and we're celebrating the the birth of Christ. Um, But when Jesus was born into the world, it was not a cute time. Uh, Roman ruled over most of the population at that time. And racial tensions were very high. About 80% of all people under the Roman Empire were indentured servants. It was a form of slavery. Not as bad as as American slavery, but still pretty bad. And things were were tense amongst different people groups. And especially the Jews, they didn't like uh, the Gentiles, those who were uncircumcised and didn't didn't know God. And the other people groups, they didn't like the Jews, which is why there had been warfare and battles over the years. Um, But Jesus, he gives his life on the cross, and he's resurrected from the grave, and then he ascends into the heavens to be at the the right. He leaves the church. He leaves the church. And uh, the church, the first church, took place in, in Jerusalem, in Israel, primarily made up of Jewish believers. But those Jewish believers heard the mission that Jesus gave, and they knew they were not supposed to stay in Jerusalem. They were supposed to go beyond the bounds of Israel. They were supposed to go to the world. That was the mission Jesus had given them. And so one of the first church plants that takes place outside of Jerusalem takes place in the city of Antioch. Church planters went from Jerusalem and and started preaching the good news in Antioch. Antioch is in modern-day Syria where racial tensions are still high today. But people began to believe. And one of the first churches outside of Jerusalem was planted. And it was made up of both Jewish people and Greek people. People of different ethnicities coming together to worship Jesus together. To share meals together. To pray together.
was watching this, and they saw this, and they hadn't seen this before, these different people groups coming together and loving one another and serving one another and being unified. In fact, we read in Acts 11.26, the believers were called Christians first at Antioch. When was the first time that the word Christian was ever used? It was used by the people of Antioch when they saw this group of believers made up of both Jews and Greeks coming together and loving one another and serving one another. They said, what are we going to call them? We're going to call them Christians. They must belong to Christ. And so I want us to understand this morning that this is at the heart of the gospel. If you didn't know that, racial reconciliation and becoming one in Jesus' name is at the heart of the gospel. It's something God once for his world. And this morning what I want to do is I simply want to talk about how can we here at Edinburgh Church, uh, how can we be peacemakers? Not peace takers, but peacemakers. And I'll be the first to admit I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning and I'm growing in this. Uh, but my heartbeat uh, is that Edinburgh Church would seek to be a more uh, peacemaking church and a more diverse church because that is what God wants and because that is at the heart of the gospel. And we're going to see that in Ephesians 2 this morning. If you have an outline, you can follow along and you can take notes. Uh, but I want to just mention four things that we learned from the Apostle Paul and what he says in Ephesians 2. Now, by the way, some of you, you might not uh, have put your faith in Christ yet. You might be just kind of checking this whole Christianity thing out this morning. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, when I, before I became a believer, I would have heard that word Ephesians. I'd had no idea. I thought it was a skin disease. Now, you need to get some cortisone for your Ephesians, all right? But actually, what this is, this is a letter, this is a... ...were high, and one of the churches had been planted, and they're having to deal with this issue of racial reconciliation. All right, so here's the first thing that we're going to have to do if we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to have to receive Jesus' grace. We're going to have to receive Jesus' grace. Listen... When I receive the grace of God and I receive the love of God, then I have the love of God and I have the grace of God in my heart to show to other people. And I can't give what I don't have. And so I need God's love. I need God's grace. And so I want to remind you this morning, believers, don't ever forget the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget the moment you received God's grace and recognized that God had forgiven you of your sin and that you were loved and that you were going to spend eternity with this God. Don't ever forget that moment where you were humbled by the grace of God in your life and what Jesus had, had done for you. You can read all the books you want and you can study the Bible in depth, but it always comes back to Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. This morning, don't forget the grace of God that you have been shown if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to hear it again. God loves you and God likes you. That's the good news of the gospel. I haven't always been Pastor Brent. 
okay? And I've got some dark things in my past, still sins I struggle with today, but there are things in my past that if I could go back in a time machine and change, I would, uh, but I have to remind myself, those sins have been forgiven. Those sins have been covered. Uh, some of you won't remember this, those of you who are younger, but how many of us remember whiteout? Whiteout? <laughs> It was like, oh, like a paint that you could, you could put on. seems so primitive now. But you would, you would. And then you could rewrite over it. And we, we don't have white out. We have blood out. Jesus has blooded out your sin if you have put your faith in him. My sins have been blooded out. He hasn't just forgiven them and covered over them. He's writing a new story over them. And that's the fullness of the good news. It's not just that I've been forgiven. It's that God's writing a new story with my life. So last week I went to visit family down in Dallas, Texas. That's where I was born and raised. And I was down there and I was driving by old homes and apartment complexes and things like that. And I was being reminded of some of the things that I had done in those homes and and, and in those apartment complexes. Dark things. I had to remind myself those sins have been blooded out. And God is writing a new story with my life. Don't ever forget the moment you received the grace of God. Now, I want you to hear this, church. God did not just show you that grace so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, that's good news, and that's true. That's not the only... spend eternity with God, though that's true. But here, that's not what Paul says. He goes on to say, for, or because, this is the why we've been saved, we are God's masterpiece. This is where, this Greek word is where we get the word poem, artwork. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, and in the context that Paul is speaking, the good things that he has planned long ago is for us to be peacemakers in the world. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. This is what the good works that he's called us to do, to make peace with all peoples, with every ethnicity. Okay, I want to show you something. Um, God wants there to be peace between us and, and him, so you have peace, you know, God and people. That's one of the reasons Jesus died. Then you have peace between people and people. All right, this is the horizontal. He wants us to have peace in our relationships, not just with him, but in our relationships with others. And when you put those things together, you get the cross. And I would argue we need more cross-eyed people. Amen? We need more cross-eyed people who, who desire peace with God, but also peace with each other. Well, we have to receive God's grace. We have to receive God's love. Be reminded it's a free gift. We can't earn it so that we have the love and the grace to show other people. That's where it starts, receiving Jesus' grace. Okay, number two. And this brings us to number two. I've got to partner with God to fulfill his dream. I've got to partner with God to fulfill his dream for the world. Long before Martin Luther King was preaching that he had a dream, God was preaching that he had a dream, a dream to see all people groups, one, in Christ. We're told that when that day comes, that in heaven, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be worshiping Jesus. 
This was God's dream, and he wants the church to help him fulfill that dream. Look at what Paul goes on to say, starting in verse 11. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Gentiles, by the way, that's all of us who are non-Jewish. All people groups are, are Gentiles. And we used to be outsiders, okay? You were called uncircumcised heathens. That's an insult. If you don't know what circumcision is, ask your daddy. I'm moving on, okay? <laughs> By the Jews. That's what we were called. They were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. We didn't have the word of God. We didn't know the promises. We didn't know the way of salvation. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but this is a big but. God loves big buts and he cannot lie. <laughs> but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You see what God wants? He wants to bring all people near himself. What gets in the way of this? I would tell you that what gets in the way of us doing this is something I would call the gang warfare mentality. Okay? It's where... And, and This takes place in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and it takes place amongst people of different ethnicities. It's, it's essentially where we say, you know, where, where someone hurts someone else, and they get upset and angry, and so then they retaliate, and then they hurt that person, and then that person gets upset and angry, and, and then they retaliate, and they, upset the, they hurt that person again, and it just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and we all realize this doesn't get us anywhere. Like if you're a married person this morning, you know that that, menta that mentality won't get you anywhere in your marriage. If you're just constantly hurting one another, getting back at the other person, and that's just going, you're not going to be able to experience the blessings God wants for your marriage. You're not going to be able to experience the benefits God has in your marriage. Hashtag sex lives matter. <laughs> you're not going to be able to experience the things that God wants for your marriage if it's constantly tit for tat. The, the philosophy of eye for an eye eventually leaves the whole world blind. Okay? And yet this is what's taking place in our culture. It's just one person attacks the other person, one people group attacks another people group, and we're not getting anywhere as a culture or as a society. Um, Many of you will remember the massacres that took place in Rwanda. In about 100 days, over a million people were, were, were slaughtered. And what's amazing about that is those people groups that were slaughtering one another, they are living side by side today in relative peace with one another. Side by side as neighbors. And so the president, uh, Paul Kagame, uh, the president of Rwanda, was asked, uh, how did you establish peace after so many people had been killed and slaughtered and family members. And he said something that's so profound. He said, leaders 
must absorb the pain. Leaders must absorb the pain. Someone has to absorb the pain for the violence and the animosity to stop. Okay? And so how do we do that? Because I would argue it's not just leaders. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been called to absorb the pain where the buck stops with you and you say, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to make peace. And I, and I primarily here this morning, and I hope you'll hear my heart in this, I, I want to talk to my white uh, brothers and sisters in light of things that are just taking place culturally. Uh, I think one of the ways we can absorb the pain is by simply listening. I think if the church would do a better job just listening to the hurts and pains of minorities, um, I think it would go a long ways in diffusing the, 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 the anger and the hate and the pain that's out there. Kind of like a balloon, you know, you just let the error out of that balloon. If we would just listen rather than, you know, being defensive, or even trying to offer solutions and say, well, this is what you need to do to fix the problem, minority. Um, if we would stop being so defensive and, and reactionary, but just listen and, let, and hear their pain, because I believe their pain is legitimate, I, th I think it would go a long ways in just helping relieve that tension. I've talked to a lot of minorities, and what they've told me is they would just like to be listened to. Just like, just heard. And we would empathize with them. I think it starts with listening. But two, and again, I'm, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters who, who are white in this room this morning or watching online. Um, they're, they're, we, we need to be willing to forgive. You know, when, when there are, there's racial violence in this country and things like that happen, and I've, I've been around enough white people to hear how we can respond in those times. And yet, I was looking at statistics this morning. You, you know if you look at most mass murders in this country that have taken place, they were taken place by white men. And yet, one minority does something, a violent act, and we, we react to that in, in negative ways, and we get angry, and we get upset. And I just want to ask my white brothers and sisters to be willing to absorb that pain and forgive. And forgive. A great example of this um, was Emmanuel Church in, in Charleston, South Carolina, you'll remember about three years ago, a man named uh, Dylan Roof, deranged young man, he went into a black church and he killed nine black people. And I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. If you've never read the response of those family members, if you've never read the response of that church, which was a predominantly black church, you need to do yourself a favor and read their responses. It was filled with grace and forgiveness. In fact, uh, one of the daughters of Ethel Lance, who was gunned down, she said this in the courtroom to Dylan. She said, you took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never hold her again, talking about her mother. But I forgive you, and I have mercy on your soul. And there's many other statements like this. And then they came together, the family and, and, and the family members in the church, and they, in the courtroom, prayed for Dylan that God would have mercy on his soul. Now, I'll tell you, I pray I never have to show that kind of grace. But if I ever did, I would hope I would have that kind of faith to do so. Friends, that is what real Christianity looks like. That's rubber hits the road, Christ followers absorbing the pain, even though it is painful. 
Do you think that church, by the way, couldn't have incited? Dylan Roof's stated reason for gunning those people down was he wanted to incite a race war. Do you think if that church hadn't wanted to incite a race war, they didn't have the power to do so? They did, but they said, we're going to make peace. We're going to forgive and we're going to pray. Friends, that's leadership. That's what the church is called to do. That's what God wants for that. You can see Proverbs 23. I'll put that in your outline. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling because it gets us nowhere. Okay? So that's number two. I want to partner with God to fulfill his dream. And I do that by absorbing the pain. Okay, number three, I need to unite with people different from me. And you, you, you need to unite with people different from you. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 14, he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, that's all other people groups, into what? One people. He united us into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, its, its traditions. Okay? Now, this is a little Bible study, uh, but the temple in that day, was kind of, it was made up of generally three parts. You had the outer courts. That's where the Gentiles could be, you and me who are not Jewish. We could only be in the outer courts of the temple. Then you had the inner courts. That's where the Jews could come in. And then you had the Holy of Holies. That's where only the priests of the Jews could, could go in. And what Paul is saying here is what Jesus did is he knocked down all of those walls. So there's no more separation. Uh, he's saying, if you remember, when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain, the wall, was torn in two uh, of the Holy of Holies. He's saying all people now through Christ are welcome into the family of uh, the family of of God, okay? So, so God wants us to unite with people who are different. Yet, when I look around today, uh, and I look around, um, it's interesting, because I look around at, like, sporting events or different businesses, and I will see diversity. I will see black people. I will see white people. I will see Asian people and Hispanic people and Middle Eastern people and Indian people. And then you look at the church, and friends, isn't it a sad story that the church is one of the most segregated places today in our culture? The church is one of the most segregated places. And so, uh, and I remember even as a, as a young believer coming into the church and that being such a mystery to me. And I started asking myself, like, why is that? Why are churches so segregated? We have the white churches and black churches and all that. Well, let me suggest it's because Christians like to be comfortable. <laughs> we like our comfort zones. And we like, to, we like to be comfortable. We like our preferences. And we don't like to step outside of our comfort zones. But when you think about Christmas, Christmas is not just about, you know, a, a young, a, a little cute baby. Christmas is about a strong, mighty, loving God who left his comfort zone, heaven, to come to earth and take on a cross so that he could have a family for himself. Friends, that's stepping out of your comfort zone. That's what Christ's followers are called to do. We've got to be willing to step outside 
of our comfort zone, and sometimes interacting with people of different ethnicities gets a little uncomfortable. Let's just be honest about that. Like my Scandinavian friends, you every once in a while, if you're sitting around with other people of ethnicities, you know, you might have to eat a jalapeno. (laughs) You know, it might get a little spicy. Makes us uncomfortable. I, I was just celebrating Thanksgiving with my family. Part of my family is Hispanic. And they brought stuffed jalapenos. And they were baked. And I think they had some seeds in there when they baked them. And they were extremely hot. And they were like, Brent, what do you think about the stuffed jalapenos? They are good. Can you pass the tea? And I was like, ah, they're good. And if you are a minority this morning, please understand that for my Scandinavian brothers and sisters, ketchup is spicy. It's called Swedish Tabasco, all right? But these are things that are different amongst us. If we're going to rub shoulders, it's going to be going to get a little spicy. Uh, language barriers. It's a little uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't understand what, what, what you know, someone's trying to say. I just had one of my Liberian brothers come up to me a few weeks ago, and he said, Pastor, I want to hurt you. He said in a different accent, but he said, Pastor, I want to hurt you. And I was like, he said, no, I want to serve here at the church. I realized he wasn't saying, I want to hurt you. He said, I want to help you. Sometimes there's going to be little differences of that trying to understand one another. You know what? We need a sense of humor about it. Too many of us get grumpy about it. We get upset and like, oh, why can't I understand you? We need, this is part of being a Christ follower. Do we understand that, friends? Church, this is part of what it means, getting out of our comfort zone so that we can love others, so that we can be this diverse family that God dreams for us. It might mean traditions as well that have to be done away with in order that we can be one. That's what he said, Jesus died for the commandments and regulations that they would go, so that if we had to look past traditions in order to unite, we have the freedom to do that. So that's number three. I need to unite with people different from from me, and I do that by being willing to step outside of my comfort zone. But I want to end with this one this morning. Just be a part of God's family. Be be a part of the family that God wants, that that Jesus died for, which is a diverse family. Moving on from verse 15, we read this. uh, He made peace, talking about Jesus, between Jews and Gentiles, everybody else. By creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. The hostility is supposed to be put to death in Christ. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father. We are, if you, if you have a relationship with you, you are a, you are a child of God. We can all now through Christ come to the Father. We're all equals. We come to the Father the same way through the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. My challenge to us this morning is that we would be a diverse family of God, because that's what God wants. And so I wanted to just give you and end with an illustration of what that could look like. Okay? I'm also getting hungry, so I thought. <laughs> now, I got here some onions. Um, you know, I like onions, but I probably wouldn't sit down and eat onions all by themselves. 
all right? Uh, and my wife certainly wouldn't kiss me if I did, right? I think I heard an amen out there. Like, that's it. I, you, you probably uh, shouldn't eat onions all by yourself if you want, you know, your, your spouse to kiss you. Um, but I have all these different ingredients. I don't like to just eat onions by myself. There's something about when you mix onions with other ingredients. And so I have a salad here. And uh, you wouldn't believe the deal I got on romaine lettuce this week. This, <laughs> pretty, pretty much giving it away. No one was taking it. I don't know. But here's a salad. This, this represents, this is our foundation. You know, see, this, this is our truth, okay? This is the foundation. This is God's word. This is our salad. Then, then with that, I like to take, you know, we got, a little, we got a little onion. These are the people in our church who give it a little kick. We need people who make the church a little spicy. You know what I'm saying? We need people like that. Yeah, put some tomato in there. I don't even know what this is, okay? These are those people who move from California and start coming to Edinburgh Church. We just put some of that in there. All right, we got some... We got some croutons, all right? Just bam. Now, these are our black olives. They're the ones who help, you know, keep us on rhythm during worship time when we're clapping, all right? Need some people. We need some, we need some black olives in the salad. And then what you do, we need the blood of Christ. We ate the blood of Christ and we pour it in. Mmm. Mmm. Get that in there, and then God's people start getting all mixed up. <laughs> start doing life with one another. I didn't have any jalapenos to put in here, but you know. But we start mixing and singing songs together, eating each other's foods, trying to understand each other's languages, and we get all mixed around and got a nutritional salad. And then God puts it on display in front of a watching world, and he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Church, this is what we're called to do. This is what God desires for his people. He loves diversity. God never asked us to be colorblind. If anyone tells you they're colorblind, you say you're a liar. He didn't ask us to be colorblind. He asked us to be color-blessed and to celebrate people of all different ethnicities. And so here's my challenge for you. Do this this week. Do this in the near future. I'm going to ask you humbly to consider doing this. Um, would you please consider reaching out to a person of a different ethnicity from you? Stepping outside of your comfort zone, sitting down, maybe give a cup of coffee, but with a person of a different ethnicity than you and, and just asking them their story and just being willing to listen and learn. Maybe you invite them to one of our Christmas services that's coming up. And, and by the way, we need volunteers for our Christmas services. <laughs> you can stop in the lobby and, and let um, find a staff member out there to sign up, especially on our Monday. But I'm hoping we're going to have people from all ethnicities coming here this, this Christmas and uh, who will help us to become the church that Jesus uh, is, is calling us to be. I'm going to pray for us, but we're going to also get an opportunity now to take communion together and end the service with communion time. And I think that's cool for two reasons. Uh, one, communion is, is, a, is coming to the table together. 
It's a time of fellowship, and we have people here from all different ethnicities that we get to now uh, eat and drink with and celebrate Christ with this morning, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. But two, I want to remind you to give thanks to Jesus as we take communion this morning, being reminded that Jesus was that leader who was willing to absorb the pain. He was the one who was ultimately willing to be on the cross and absorb the hatred, absorb the anger, so that there could be peace. And so if we're taking communion this morning and you've got some anger in your heart, I'm going to ask you to put that off on Christ this morning and take it to Christ. If you've got some pain or some sin in your life, you can take that to Jesus this morning. He's willing to absorb it for you. If you've got some racism in your heart this morning, take it to Jesus. And here's my promise for you. If you will do that, if you will take it to Christ and let him absorb it, you will walk out these doors this morning with more peace in your heart. Okay? And so let's celebrate the one who absorbed the pain so that there could be peace for all people. Would you bow with me as we pray? And just so you know, keep your, while your heads are bowed, we're going we're gonna to pass the bread, we're going to pass the cup. You, you eat, drink whenever you're ready. I'm not going to get back up here. We'll play music over you. But use this time to connect your heart to Christ. And Lord, this morning, we, just, we need to receive your grace anew. Some of us maybe for the first time this morning just need to receive your grace and your love. Let us walk in grace and love so that we have grace and love in our hearts to show the people around us, the people in our culture, and people who come from different walks of life. Lord, we want to partner with you to fulfill your dream in the world, so give us wisdom. Help us to do that. Help us to be true Christians who absorb the pain so that there can be peace in our world. Lord, we want to unite with people who are different from us. I would pray right now that you will help Edinburgh Church to become a more diverse church that looks like a reflection of what heaven is going to be. And God, may we be a part of your family, the diverse family you've called us to. So help us with these things, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood you shed so that we can go to heaven one day, but also so that we can have a purpose in being peacemakers here on earth. May we live that out here at Edinburgh Church and in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.